This is Sarah Stewart-Holland. This is Beth Silvers. You're listening to Pantsuit Politics, where we take a different approach to the news. So glad you're here for a new episode of Pantsy Politics. We take our commitment to a different approach to the news very seriously. So today, we are going to step back from the presidential race. We're going to step back from Congress. We're going to step back from all of the amorphous foreign policy things that are in the news to talk about what state legislatures have been up to. A bunch of new laws went into effect across the country this year, and we're going to talk about those laws because. They are going to affect people's lives in very real, concrete ways. We're going to discuss everything from minimum wage laws to laws about books and guns. And then outside of politics, I'm really excited about this. We're going to talk about California's law on cursive handwriting because I know so many people who are very passionate about cursive handwriting. So I'm excited for this discussion and to learn about all these very, like, tangible things because so much of what we've been discussing lately feels way out there in the ether to me. Well, and I just think it's important to call out state legislators who are actually doing their work Mm -hmm. because while we talk about state legislators that are passing laws and trying to address problems, there are some that are just at a stalemate. Looking at you, Oregon, we're not going to be talking about Oregon today because they didn't get a lot done because they're just at stalemates. They've just shut down. And so it feels even more important to talk about places that are really working towards solutions for their constituents and their citizens. Before we start that conversation, we want to wish a very happy birthday to our director of community engagement and executive producer, Maggie Pinton. Maggie does a lot here at Pantsy Politics. That's an understatement. She coordinates much of our advertising. She works on our Friday newsletter. She stays in touch with listeners on Discord and Patreon and Facebook and Instagram. And she manages our social media. And that is not a job for the faint of heart. Maggie is kind and thoughtful and such a gifted writer and a caring human. And we are so lucky to work with her. And we're touched that she and her husband, Daniel, and their wonderful daughters continue to be executive producers of Pantsy Politics because they're so committed to what we do here. So... Happy birthday, Maggie. We are so glad you were born. Happy birthday, Maggie. Next up, we're going to talk about the good, the bad, the bizarre of laws that have gone into effect in 2024. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. We are special breakfast people here at Pantsu Politics, but not just when Beth and I are on the road. The truth is, I want something warm from the oven every Saturday morning and Sunday morning. It's just the truth. It makes it feel special, makes it feel exciting. I don't want to work at it. So the first time I ever saw Wild Grain, which is bake from frozen subscription box for sourdough breads, fresh pastas, and artisanal pastries, I was obsessed. You guys, I've been a member for over a year. It's amazing. It's so easy. Every item bakes from frozen in 25 minutes or less. No thawing required. 
You can fully customize your wild grain box. You can choose any combination of breads, pastas, pastries. You can even build a box of only breads, only pastas, or only pastries if you'd like. And for a limited time, you can get $30 off the first box, plus free croissants in every box when you go to wildgrain.com slash pantsuit to start your subscription. Sometimes I make one single croissant just for me because I want to feel special and they're so good. You heard me. Free croissants in every box and $30 off your first box when you go to wildgrain.com slash pantsuit. That's wildgrain.com slash pantsuit or you can use promo code pantsuit at checkout. Beth, last year we got the loveliest message from a listener who was like, Yes, there are bozos in the state legislators, but they're not all bozos. And you can also focus on the legislative staff at so many of these state capitals that are doing good, honest, productive, effective work. And we are going to get to those people, we promise. But first, we are going to have to talk about the bozos, like some in Arkansas, for example. Arkansas has passed what the state calls the Prohibiting Unemployment Claimants from Ghosting Employers Act of 2023. Unemployment claims will now be denied to anybody who ghosts an employer. It is what it sounds like. If you don't respond to a job offer or show up to a scheduled job interview, your unemployment claim will be denied. Now, I kind of get the appeal of this. I do. I get it. I get the kind of common sense appeal to this. The piece of me that made me identify as conservative and vote Republican a long time, though, would say back to that common sense appeal, government cannot fix everything. Mm -hmm. I agree. It sucks that people ghost employers. It sucks that employers ghost people, and they do that an awful lot too. Do we want to ask the government to pass a law penalizing employers who don't respond to a resume? Because that's as dumb as this idea. This is just one where I think, stay out of it. Yes, it's a problem, but you can't fix all the problems through laws. It sniffs of wanting to punish people who are applying for unemployment. Like, that's a theme. Kicking people while they're down is the the situation here. Yep. Let's just go through and make it even more difficult for people to apply for unemployment because you just really don't think they should be applying for unemployment. You think they should go out and get a job. Like, it's just that simple for everybody. It just, it's deliberately obtuse and reductive. And it's such a bad idea. It's like, can be contained in the title of the bill. That's a good sign you're on the wrong track. You know what I'm saying? Also, how on earth is this going to get enforced? If you try to enforce this, you're going to spend more time and money dealing with that than just paying the claims and moving on with your life. It's silly. Yeah, because who's going to do this? The employer who's looking for an employee, they have time to go report that this person ghosted on them? Give me a break. And then how is that investigated? What if the employee says, no, I didn't? And then what are we going to do? We're going to have a whole hearing about that? It's terrible. Arkansas is a bad idea. Okay, let's talk about the great state of Texas, which we love. We spend a lot of time in Texas. We love Texas. So many wonderful listeners in Texas. And they also get frustrated with symbolic Mm -hmm. gestures like the banning of diversity, equity, and inclusion programs that Texas has done for publicly funded universities. Again, I would call this government overreach. Mm. Mm -hmm. Well, they're following Florida's lead who passed legislation very similar to this. And again, it feels punitive. It feels like we disagree and we don't like it. And so what can we do to make your life hard? And that just does not feel like the highest and best use of a state legislator's time. Call me crazy. 
I understand some of the backlash to DEI programs. I have a lot of thoughts about that from my time doing HR work. But again, the primary thought is I don't believe that we all agree on what constitutes Mm -hmm. a diversity, equity, and inclusion initiative. And I don't believe that any state legislature is so in touch with the needs on specific public universities' campuses that it knows best that these programs, all of them, anything that could fall under that rubric, are conclusively not needed there. That is so silly. I can't even emphasize how silly that is to me. Yeah. Again, it's not even DEI. I think some of these legislators are also just mad at universities. And so they're just, I wouldn't say nitpicking, but definitely like aggressively finding ways to attack the universities, to attack their mission, to say, like, you're not doing a good job, et cetera. It's so insidious, though, because the critique of wokeism and cancel culture, I believe, originally was how punitive it was. We are punishing people too hard for things. We are using the power of private companies and the power of social media, and we're shaming people. And you should not be that punitive about words that people say or attitudes they have. But now we have the power of the state being used in a very blunt force, punitive way to say we are anti-woke and Mm -hmm. anti-cancel culture. It is such a disproportionate response to the problem that was being described. And Texas, I just, I give you an F on this one. It's a bad one. Well, and I feel that way about so many of the sort of red state. Now, we're going to get to some blue state legislation in this. We think it's a bad idea. But the book banning legislation, a lot of the gender affirming care legislation, it doesn't feel like you're violating our principles of government. It just feels like we don't like it, so we're going to punish it. Well, let's do the blue state side of this. California. I I love you, California. I do too. I love all our people in California. And this too, I think, is really silly and an inappropriate use of government. California has now said that if you are a large retailer, you must provide gender-neutral sections of children's toys or childcare products. This is intended to reduce gender stereotypes at a young age and prevent price disparities in items marketed for girls. (sighs) My (laughs) friends, again, we cannot solve everything with laws. We just cannot solve everything. The market will speak on this, you know? Stay out of it. Because you as a mother of girls, I'm sure, are highly invested in not paying more for girl toys. Yes. And that is... What I don't even know. What is a girl toy? We I would not agree with everybody on this. And yeah. I don't mind to just simply walk myself over to the boy section. <laughs> I've bought many boys' t-shirts. I've bought many boys' books. There is no, like, pit in which I fall as a parent yeah. if I just decide for myself to go cross over. So I don't need a law to be helpful with this. And I think, again, this is this just provokes that reaction on the other side. How long are we going to do this? How long yeah. are we going to do this? Yeah, the least encouraging sort of sets of laws when we were looking over these, where it was like, the red state did this, so the blue state did this. The red state did this, so the blue state did this. And I thought, oh, that's so depressing. It's like, I mean, I think in the spirit of states as the, you know, laboratories of democracy, eventually you see, like, what works and what doesn't. 
across states. But sometimes that doesn't even matter. It's not like you can go before red state voters and say, hey, this law didn't do what you wanted it to do. Like, it doesn't work like that. I wish it did, desperately. just doesn't. Um, And so I think with California, they do feel enormous pressure because their economy is so big to exert influence of this type. There's a really good law that's about recycling coming from California that I'm very encouraged about. I don't know if it's new this year, but I read about it last year where it's like they can't put recycling labels on plastics that nobody recycles because it confuses the consumer. It makes people feel like they're doing something good when really they're just buying single-use plastic. And because California is going to require this, like it's not worth it for people to do it two different ways. And so that probably will change the way that plastic is labeled across the country. That's a good use of their power because I think that recycling labels is obviously a really fertile ground for government regulation and, you know, sort of clarity and transparency for the consumer. Great use of your power. This, however, much more amorphous. I don't think to a certain extent we're going to regulate our way out of a cultural problem like this. Not to say all gender stereotyping is a cultural problem. There are some regulations that address that. But this one, I don't know. I don't know, guys. I just think that if you are thinking about legislation involving toys and physical safety is not involved, Word. then probably you're off you're off target on the best yep. use of your limited time as a legislator. Now, Beth, speaking of their limited time. Yeah. When I suggested, well, let's talk about ones that are bad ideas. You're like, I would like another category. Not that it was just a crappy idea, but that it was a huge waste of time. Yes. So this is the new category for you. This is the new category. And this is where I would like to talk about the book laws. Bless. And we have two. Again, we've got the red response and the blue response represented here. Right next door to each other. Indiana has made it easier for parents to challenge books in school libraries. I bet there was already a process for that. I also bet just adults are able to go have a conversation at school. And let me tell you something. If somebody's got a bee in their bonnet about a book, no process is going to stop them. You know what I mean? Like, they don't need an easier process. It doesn't matter how difficult it is. They'll follow it through if they've got a bee in their bonnet about some stupid book. That's, That's my right. life experience. Just saying. And I would also put that in the f***ing waste of time category to have a bee in your bonnet <laughs> about a book. You don't want the book? Leave it on the shelf. It's real simple. Word. But anyway, next door, Illinois has now blocked state funding for public libraries that ban or restrict books. Guys, stop it. Stop this madness about the books. I was just reading an article from our school. A parent challenged a book in our library, and the school principal heard the challenge and decided the book should stay on the shelf. And the parent takes it to the school board, and there's a whole thing. And now the elementary school librarian has to go talk in front of the school board about this book. I just look at all of it, and I think we have one precious opportunity to breathe and walk through this world as humans. So true. Why would we use it this way? Yeah, especially books. Like, I just, you know, I am pretty careful about what my children watch. Pretty careful. We were watching animated movies till Griffin was like 12, okay? That's family movie time. Um, but a book, I don't really, I don't, go ahead. And it's not to be dismissive. Books are powerful. Books are wonderful. Mm-hmm. Art matters. Literature matters. For sure. But like, there's just such a lot of it out there <laughs> that I promise you can find what works for you and, and you can leave what doesn't. And there will be things in the doesn't category. And that's cool too. I just want us to quit this. Well, it just seems like in 2024, 
with our information environment. It does seem like a particularly silly pursuit. However, the fact that we've been doing this for decades tells me it's never really about the book. Like, I think about the scene in Field of Dreams, which I feel is the only scene that actually holds up in that weirdo movie, um, where they're having the book banning assembly, and his wife goes off about it. And I thought, I mean, this is not new. It will continue. We will have AI running the world, and people will still want to ban books because it's not about the book. And because it's not about the book, any laws or procedures or legislation is not going to get at it in any real way, I don't think. I don't love your tone about a beloved baseball movie, but other than that, I agree with everything that you have said. Have you watched it recently? It's <laughs> weird, man. You are, you're you're like, my kids are like, what is going on in this movie? It's, it's weird, but it is beloved and it is classic. <laughs> All right, let's move on. <laughs> let's move on now to the good work. Let's move on to some good, good work. work. Okay, you have labeled this category about time. Yes. I have a little bit of disagreement with you on, I think, the first topic. We have minimum wage increases. We have many minimum wage increases. And they are all over the place. So about half of U.S. states are increasing their minimum wage this year. Most of those increases will take effect on January 1st. I do want to mention Nevada and Oregon. Oregon did do something. That's a July 1st increase. And Florida, it's a September 30th increase. But the highest one will be Washington, D.C. at $17.05 an hour, and then Washington State at $16.28 an hour. That's at the state level. There are counties and municipalities that go higher. The biggest increase is $12 to $14 in Hawaii. So that's the word on minimum wage. Sarah, you, I know, have a lot to say about this, and so do I. I don't know if I have a lot to say about it. I just think, like, Really, the about time needs to come at the federal level because it's still like $7, and that's dumb. You know, I think it's just something we all agree on, like people need to make more money. I think the laws are probably silly because the reason these laws are passing, it's not that they're a moot point. They will hold people through when the labor market is not what it is right now. But the reason wages are increasing is because the labor market is tight and you have to compete for employees, and that's how you get wages up. But I don't mind taking that moment to raise the minimum wage so that when labor is not as competitive as it is right now, people don't get it stuck to them, you know, where they're like really don't have any sort of living wage to survive in. I mean, I know D.C.'s is high, but you know what else D.C. is? Freaking expensive to live in. (laughs) It was 20 years ago when I lived there, and I'm sure it still is. So I I think this is more reflective of the economic situation. But I mean, you put a minimum wage law on a referendum, it passes. People want to get paid more. It's no surprise there. And I want people to get paid more. I have no problem with people getting paid more. I have no problem even with the minimum wages increasing. I think we've talked about this before. There is no real conclusive, like, economic definitive, here's the right right right. way to handle the minimum wage. What bugs me about this is I feel like we just keep layering onto a system that has some problems instead of addressing the problems in the system. When you talk with people who oppose these increases, oftentimes it is because Several different types of people make minimum wage, and we make no distinction among those types of people Mm -hmm. and the purpose for which they're being employed and the number of hours that they're working. I just feel like there are lots of different considerations around how people are paid that we could start to be more innovative about this than we have been. I would like to see, you know, lots of issues around tipping addressed through these laws. I would like to see a, a conversation about workers with disabilities and where there has typically been some discrimination and minimum wage laws against people with disabilities. Like, they're just, they're places where I think more needs to happen than just a dollar bump an hour. So that's my, 
asterisks, I guess, in this category. Yeah, and I totally agree. And this is not our innovative category. This is just, thank goodness you're doing something that we all agreed on a million years ago. And like California's law that I want to talk about is a little bit of a combination of both. Because I do think it's innovative in that they're probably the first state or one of the first states out there doing something similar, which is employees with very few exceptions cannot be punished for using marijuana outside of work. That seems like, duh, when it's legal about half the country, it seems really dumb to punish people for partaking in a completely legal recreational, not completely legal, that's a little complicated, but a mostly legal recreational drug. And it just reduces the labor supply so much. Everybody complains about it, but we all keep doing it. So I was happy to see like an about time, like at least somebody's trying to get at this issue. We have got to do something about this on the federal level. I know mm-hmm. someone who legally in her state uses medical marijuana, doctor's prescription, diagnosed condition, the whole thing, and cannot get a life insurance policy because of it. What? That's terrible. And that, I think, has to be related to the fact that it is still, at a federal level, an illegal substance. And that's why the finances around a lot of marijuana businesses are so complicated. This is like the market has spoken and the states have spoken, and we need the federal government to get out of the way on marijuana. And again, I don't love marijuana everywhere all the time. I hate walking into like a downtown area and it just being like thick with that smell. I've got some very pearl-clutchy complaints about this that I make no apologies for. But we're not going to be able to regulate our way out of those problems. We're just going to have to tackle them and deal with them culturally. I wish that we could legislatively get out of the way of what is clearly our new reality around marijuana. Also in the, the good work category and the sort of common sense good work category, we have Minnesota joining 19 other states in passing a red flag law. Michigan has new red flag laws in effect. These are situations where family members and law enforcement can go to a court. So it's adjudicated. People's rights are protected, but they can go to a court and say, I think that there is extreme risk happening here and that this person should temporarily not have access to firearms. I think that will save a lot of lives. We have in Colorado a ban on ghost guns assembled at home or 3D printed without serial numbers. Serial numbers and guns, very important for law enforcement activities. So I think there's just some really good common sense work. Now, the one of these that goes a little bit more into the innovative category is Washington's waiting period. In 2018, Washington voters approved a 10-day waiting period for certain types of firearms, and that has been expanded now. And so in addition to waiting 10 days, you also have to do a background check and pass a safety training program within a five-year period of purchasing the gun. I think that is a really smart approach to trying to do some risk management around guns in this country. But I recognize that that probably pushes people's buttons a little bit more. Well, I'm just discouraged that they're all mostly blue states. I really would like to see red states, even pretending, oh, like, oh, I don't know, in Tennessee— where you have a very passionate, mostly conservative constituency coming out of Covenant School going, do something, literally anything. The refusal to even touch it, even touch it, is so discouraging. You have the opportunity to say, we are pro-gun, this is what we think this legislation looks for, instead of just being a complete and total obstacle so that you undercut your own argument to begin with, which is you don't care about safety, you don't care about people, all you care about is this industry. And I just, I wish I saw more of that. I know we're supposed to be in a positive framework moving forward, but I just need to get that off my chest. No, I think that's fair. 
that's kind of how I feel about this Pennsylvania law. So we have good work in Pennsylvania. And this is one of those things where you're like, wow, I can't believe that we need this. But we do. The legislature has added protections for women who are incarcerated. The state is now banning the shackling and solitary confinement of pregnant incarcerated women. Oh, my God. And full body searches of women inmates by male guards. When I say to you the shackling and solitary confinement of pregnant incarcerated women, do you Mm. not just feel from head to toe like we have a problem here? Mm -hmm. And I just... I'm sorry, shackling and solitary confinement in general are among the practices that I think future people are going to look back on and think of the way that we look at the Coliseum. I mean, I just I cannot believe the way that we continue to approach incarceration in this country, but I'm happy that one small step forward has been taken in Pennsylvania. Well, again, it's just about time. Same with Florida. We wanted to put Florida on the list for a positive thing. (laughs) Um, But it's in the about time category because they're requiring spaces for breastfeeding mothers in the courthouses. Great idea. Very important. Yep. For 2002. Um, But it's very important. Same with this California law. I mean, I wouldn't call it innovative. It feels very much like about time. But I think California is one of the few places that require this, which is law enforcement officers must inform drivers why they have been stopped before they begin any questioning. Right. That sounds like something we should have already been doing for decades. I totally agree. You should not have an interaction with law enforcement and not know what's happening in that interaction. It should be very clear. To protect the law enforcement and the person who's being approached, everybody needs to understand what it means that I, as an individual citizen, am now meeting armed state power one-on-one. I should understand what's occurring in that situation. So I'm glad to see that, too. Well, and you know how else you know it's an about time situation is when you get a 38 to 0 vote in the Senate and a 74 to 0 vote in the General Assembly in New Jersey because <laughs> they were going after telemarketers. And they have all these new rules like you have to identify yourself in the first 30 seconds, speaking of identifying why you're calling someone or why you're stopping them, um, whom they're representing, what they're selling. And they banned unsolicited sales calls to anyone from 9 p.m. to 8 a.m. I don't know if I've ever gotten a call like in the middle of the night or anything like that. I think surely I would have remembered that. But I appreciate that anybody who thought that might be a good idea has been legally prohibited. I wish that this could also apply to text messaging. The unsolicited Mm -hmm. text messaging is really getting out of control. Again, I recognize I have some power over that. I can just delete and block. But it's a lot. It It just text messaging feels like your private space. It's very invasive. It really does. It's intrusive. I totally agree. It's very intrusive. Okay. We have some more good work being done that we want to call out. Old-fashioned good work. We're going to start with Kansas. Kansas, everybody. See? We are equal opportunity praisers here at Pantsu Politics. Kansas dropping the tax on groceries. This is a good idea. It's a, well, look, I mean, I know Kansas. I feel like I can hear the emails coming from our, our listeners in Kansas because Kansas has some funding issues. It does. So I understand any sort of drop in tax revenue is going to get some side eye. However, if you are a state legislator and you have your constituents crying out from the inflationary pressure, especially that felt at the grocery store, which is a very, very consistent complaint across the United States, then, like, you just have to use the tools available to you. And I don't begrudge them this tool. They didn't wipe it out. They're not eliminating the income tax, which is what I'm afraid Kentucky's going to do. They just said, look, 
we can do this. And so that's what we're going to do. I'd be interested to see like how much revenue they're actually giving up. But it just felt like an appropriate tool at a state legislative level to address something that's a national concern. Well, and and groceries are a basic need for all people. We have so many disparities. This is a better approach than California saying you've got to have a gender neutral section so that we don't have girls items being priced higher. Like this is a better way to use your tools as a legislature to say we're going to try to make people's lives a little bit fairer and easier here. So I I like it. Now, look, I don't think it's an accident that we're about to list a lot of red states when it comes to taxes, because that's the tool they like to use. Is there a way to do this by cutting taxes? We'd like to do that. I would encourage them to look at a broader array of tools, but they do love to use this one. Alabama is exempting overtime pay from state income taxes. But blue states like to do it, too. It just takes a different form. Like Massachusetts is raising its dependent tax credit. So you're getting Mm. more money off of your tax. I mean, it's the same thing, right? We just talk about it in different ways. If you're looking for a very quick salon quality, but not salon priced manicure, Olive and Jean has you covered. We've talked about Olive and Jean's Manny system before. It has everything that you need for a professional manicure in one box, salon grade tools, your choice of six polishes. Those polishes are gonna last you for seven days or more. The cost breaks down to about $2 a manicure. Olive and Jean also has press-ons if you want. What I love though, is that Olive and June each season is coming out with new colors. And I just got a set of spring and summer colors in quick dry polish. And they say this dries in about a minute. It seemed dry to me in about 30 seconds. It was not kidding about being quick dry. I also love the light colors in this set. There is a huge range. My favorite one is called Kitten. It's like a pinkish gray. The quick dry polish gives you full coverage in one or two coats. It lasts for more than five days and it is offered in more than 40 cruelty-free and vegan polishes. Olive and June just understands what's happening in our lives, that we need to move quickly, but we want to look great and feel great and have fun in the process. Visit oliveandjune.com slash for 20% off your first system. That's O-L-I-V-E-A-N-D-J-U-N-E dot com slash P-A-N-T-S-U-I-T for 20% off your first Manny system. Just finished A Court of Thorns and Roses and craving another fantasy world to devour? Dipsy's got you. Dive into spicy enemies to lovers' tales or embark on an epic romance between immortal fae and sworn foes. They've got fantasy romance stories perfect for your morning walk, late night, or long bath. Dipsy is an app full of short, spicy audio stories. They bring scenarios to life with immersive soundscapes and realistic characters. Discover stories about second chance romances, adventurous vacation flings, and hot and heavy hookups. And there's a growing library of fantasy series with werewolves, Greek gods and goddesses, Regency-era historical fiction, and fairy smut to explore the bounds of your pleasure. New content is released every week, so in between listening to your favorite stories again and again, you can always find something new to explore. For listeners of the show, Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash pantsuit. That's 30 days of full access for free when you go to dipseastories.com slash pantsuit. dipseastories.com slash pantsuit. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Can I get something off my chest? Every day I feel a little pang of sadness. Because I think about Griffin going away to college, y'all. He's a freshman in high school. This is not healthy or normal. This is why I have it on my list of things to talk to my therapist about. We all carry around these things. Big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us. Therapy is a safe space. 
to get these things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapist anytime for no additional charge. You gotta get it off your chest. And you can get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash pantsuit today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash pantsuit. I would like to talk about the highways. And I would like to talk about the state of Illinois. Well, this makes sense, because if we have a problem on the highways, the states are a very important institution to address this concern. We do. We have a very big problem on the highways right now. I commend to you, please, everyone, take 15 minutes out of your day and read the deeply reported piece in The New York Times about how we are in a crisis on American roadways right now. By every measure, people are not wearing their seatbelts. Guys, what year is it? We have to wear I don't understand belts. that one. I don't get that one. I know we trust our cars more. You know, cars are safer. I know we trust airbags. If you've ever had an airbag deployed when you were in the vehicle, though, you know that an airbag is not going to do everything, and it's very, very miserable. And you need your seatbelt. Wear your seatbelts. We have more people driving while they're intoxicated. Do you think the seatbelt thing is a reaction to the masking requirement? I think there is a lot psychologically going on here. I think so, too. People don't feel enough freedom, and the car is, like, such a deeply ingrained psychological symbol of freedom for so many people that I do—I think a lot's going on. But in addition to the seatbelts, we have more people driving intoxicated. Like, a record. For years, we—the Mothers Against Drunk Driving did such good work here— and we are going backward on this. We have more road rage. We have more people just speeding. You've been talking, Sarah, about not turning right on red anymore because so many pedestrians are getting hit. Yeah, the New York Times did a big piece on pedestrian deaths and how we're just this exception in the Western world for our rate of pedestrian deaths. And often they are less distracted driving in Europe because they drive manuals. <laughs> Overwhelmingly, they drive manual transmissions. Um, which is what I plan to get my children when they turn 16. You can't be distracted and drive manual. I mean, you can, but it takes an enormous amount of work. And, but another thing is like, they don't have turn right on red. Like, it's just not a thing. And you're seeing locales pass laws where like certain cities have banned turning right on red. We only did it apparently because in the 70s, we thought it would save people's gas. So they didn't have to like idle and wait, which is such a stupid reason to have that. So they convinced me. I was like, okay, I won't turn right on red anymore, even unless I have the light. Now, I can't remember where this was. I think it's Abilene, Texas, but I may be wrong. Somewhere where you and I have been to speak, everything is a soft right. Like, the road is built for you to go right before you get to a stoplight even. And I think that that's fine because, again, everybody's on notice. This is how we're doing it. But I think overall, just all of us committing to not go right on red anymore would be a good, helpful thing. So Illinois has said you cannot take a video conference while you're driving oh, anymore. I've done that. I know. And I don't mean this as a personal attack on you, Sarah, but I am glad to see state legislators getting involved and saying, like, we have problems on the highways and we have to think really seriously about what we can do. I also think the market needs to help here. I am very 
conscious about vehicle safety because I was in a fatal car crash in high school. I would love to never drive again, but I understand that I am an extreme minority here, that for as many Americans who want more public transit and more trains, there are probably like three times as many of us who just love to drive. And I I think we just need to accept that. I would like to see more places that are set up, like more tracks and stuff for people to just go safely drive their cars really, really fast. Mm. Like, let's just, let's distinguish that, though, as entertainment and hobby and sport for regular people that more people can participate in so that when they are on the roads with the rest of us, we can all slow it down and be more careful. I don't know. I just want lots of thinking about how we can address this problem. I would like to see lots of innovation from the state legislators around driving, because if we're going to have all these places where driving is the center point of American life, and I think we've pretty much decided, like, no one's going to build, you know, bullet trains. Like, it's just not going to happen, okay? I think not anytime soon anyway. My beef is that when driving is essential— There's really nothing set up to protect people in poverty from the life-altering situation of something going wrong with their car or not having a car. Mm -hmm. There's no charities in my town that help you if you need a car repair. If you need food, if you need shelter, if you need clothing, if you need all the basics of life, there's lots of ways for you to get help. Not if you need your car fixed. I'm like, I think that's a really real problem. There's no government subsidies. There's no social safety net, even though everything revolves around a car to help people if they don't have a car or their car breaks. And that is frustrating to me. It seems like a big hole in our charitable sort of ecosystem and definitely in our social safety net. I totally agree. Now, I know with climate change, I'm not trying to get more people to drive, but it just feels like we have to acknowledge the reality for some people out there. Well, and that goes back to the dumb ghosting law from Arkansas. I think a lot of people don't show up because transportation problems happen. Yep. And when you are in a precarious financial situation, when you are poor, you are likely to have transportation problems. And and so we're just double punishing someone who cannot get aid with their transportation uh, and now cannot get aid because they ghosted a job interview. I don't think that's who we want to be. Agreed. There was one area that was overall exhausting, but there were a few bright points of light, which is abortion. There's a lot of you're safe here. We're going to shut it down even further there. That I don't really want to get into because I find it incredibly depressing and discouraging. But there were two states that we thought were doing some good old-fashioned work, trying to get at the problem without just rehashing the same old tired solutions. So I would call back to Massachusetts and the dependent tax credit. I think sure. that is good pro-life legislation. I would also put Kansas in here with the groceries tax. That is going to make a material difference for families with really young children. I think that's important. I also want to call out Alabama's work on its adoption code. They have done an overhaul in Alabama. They have worked on the legal process. They have worked on courts coordinating with one another. I want to be honest with you. I have not read Alabama's new adoption code, and I bet I wouldn't like all of what was done there. But I am happy to see legislatures digging into a process that is legally an absolute morass almost everywhere. And doing it with the intention of a true overhaul, not like trimming around the edges or addressing this one issue that somebody lobbied for, but really getting into it and trying to make it better. I think that is important and good work that that probably needs to be done just about everywhere. 
Well, and I will tell you that our own great state of Kentucky has dramatically increased the pay for social workers. It won't happen immediately, but I have friends who like teach social work and they're like the classes are filling up again because people wow. feel like they can make a living wage. So that's that's when you know like you're seeing sort of the the good work pay off. And it takes a while, but it's it's happening. I wanted to shout out New Jersey. New Jersey pharmacists will be allowed to dispense self-administered hormonal contraceptives to patients without a prescription. I think that is some good pro-choice work. Let's not just pay attention to, you know, making sure we're a safe harbor. It's not that I don't think that work is important, but let's also make sure that we are continuing to do important work of access to contraception, access to reproductive care. I just think that that's really smart. And I think finding innovative ways to make sure people have access to those drugs and that care is really important. So good job, New Jersey. Okay. So we have done the waste of time work, the crappy Mm -hmm. things. We have talked about some of the good work, the blocking and tackling, the consensus-driven work. Now let's get to the things that made us go, hmm. Listen, they're laboratories. Some experiments are going to be weird. That's just the reality, okay? Some experiments have weird outcomes. Go watch poor things. That's just how life works. So the first thing you have on your list, Sarah, is from Nebraska. You want to tell us about it? Yes. uh, Nebraska has an executive order. So in fairness, this is not like the state legislator, but it demands that some state workers who have been working remotely since the pandemic return to the office, like starting like a couple weeks ago. A public employees union has asked a state labor court to delay the requirement. But I just... I thought that that made me raise my eyebrows a little bit that uh, even the public workers are like, we don't want to. We don't want to. Well, and did you see the Axios report that was like, they've given up? Like, the the war is over. It was like a a huge majority of CEOs are like, I'm just going to accept that people are going to work at home. Like, everybody coming back to the office five days a week, it ain't happening. It ain't happening. The market has spoken on this, too. The market has spoken. So this might not be the best use. Of an executive order is all I'm saying. I agree. I think you got to choose your battles. And this is kind of like with me. Okay, people love their cars and they want to drive them really fast. How can we let them do that? How can we make that safe for people? I think that's a great idea. Same thing with marijuana. I don't love that it smells like weed everywhere, but people are going to use marijuana. So how do we make it work? But you don't want people losing their jobs about it either. Come on. We can prioritize. That's right. I don't want people to lose their jobs over it. Yes. So that's how I feel about returning to work. People want to work from home. Figure it out. So well, we like you do. need state workers. It's like, yes. you know, there's some benefits like, oh, I don't know, a pension. So play them up. And working from home could be one of them. Be smart about this. Let's talk about Ohio. Okay. We have a lot of states working on social media. We do. They're trying. Beginning this week in Ohio, social media operators. And really, it's a pretty big definition of operator. This could go beyond Google, X, Snapchat, TikTok. But social media operators have to obtain consent from parents for children under 16 to create accounts. Okay, so so far, I don't have a problem. What about you? No, so good. Works for me. Okay, so far, so good. I think that's tough to enforce. Yeah, good luck. But but I like the principle. I like the idea. Parents also have to receive a list of censoring or content moderation features available. This gets a little harder. Getting harder. Mm Mm-hmm. If parents want an account to be closed, that has to happen within 30 days of the request. I'm cool with this one. If we got some bullying or some, God forbid, some sort of like doxing or something like this, great idea. Parents are able to file complaints with the Ohio Attorney General if there's a problem. I like that very much, that it is a state enforcement responsibility, not a you-can-go-sue-Google situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because good luck with that. 
Where I think this gets tricky is just that it covers almost any website where you create a profile and interact with other people and post content. That's a lot. That's every website. I just created a profile to interact with other people on a birding app. Right. So it seems broad to me. It seems really broad. And that is the basis on which it is being challenged already by the industry at large. But for social media and gaming, I get it. Again, I think it is very hard to enforce this practically. But I think incentives for these platforms to try are good. Yeah. So I don't know how this is going to turn out once it's been litigated and in practice, but the spirit of it doesn't bother me a single bit. Yeah, I just think when you look at states trying to regulate any aspect of our online life, you just see how incredibly complicated and messy it gets so quickly. Even Connecticut. Connecticut is requiring procedures for online dating services for reporting unwanted behavior or providing safety advice, including warnings about romance scams. Like, I think that's a really interesting idea. But it's like, what What if you are in New Jersey right over the way? Like, it just feels weird to me that this is a great idea, but it's only going to be applicable to people in Connecticut. So it, I think that's where it just starts to get weird. Like, even with the Montana TikTok ban. Well, yeah, but like, what if you just live off the border? You just pop over the border and you're in another state and then all of a sudden it's okay. Or I don't know. It's not to mention like a VPN. Like, I don't know. I don't know. What I think I like about this, even recognizing my hypocrisy, because for a lot of this conversation, I've said laws can't solve everything. And I do not think laws can solve our problems with technology and interacting with each other online. The reason I feel some support in this area is because our online lives are so powerful and so misunderstood by us. Like there's a distinction to me, if there's a book at the library I can leave it on the shelf. There are so many places, though, where my kids have to have an account, like you said, the birding app, like to yeah. participate in a in a sport or get notifications about group activities. They have to sign up for these different services. Like they have to live online. The power differential between the companies and the people is so great. Right. And I do think the more that state legislators try to get in on this, even as they try things that are sometimes dumb or that will not work or that will fail in court, it adds to the societal conversation among parents about what are what are we going to do here? What are the yeah. rules in our house? What are the rules in your house? How are you navigating this? Like, I think it it is we're trying to work some things out. And this is a reflection of that. And it makes sense to me. Well, and I, to me, often these are just, I hope, big giant red flags to the federal government. Like, hello, hello, we are trying and we can't get at it. Could we get a little help? Now, this Congress, we don't have an episode planned for the great legislation and good work this Congress has done because they've done almost none of it. Um, So, you know, not super encouraging on that front. But I think the effort, I just applaud the effort, not to just like rehash the same things, but just trying. I mean, it speaks to that message from the beginning. There are people working across the United States and state capitals going, I see a problem. Do I have any tools at my disposal to try to help solve this problem? And that is incredibly encouraging. So thank you to everybody doing the good work in state capitals and offices around the country. Thank you to all of you who are seeking state office this year. I hope that this list also underscores that what state legislatures do is powerful 
And Mm -hmm. we desperately need more people of good faith and hard work to be in these bodies. So if you've been on the fence, get in there. Your, Your state needs you. Before we transition to outside of politics, usually Sarah and I do all of our own research. And I want to mention today that we were taking a very wide lens in finding all these laws. So we enlisted the aid of a listener volunteer. Many, many thanks to Abby Mm -hmm. for your meticulous work in compiling information on these new laws for us. That's me applauding. Sarah and I have talked many times about our desire to age as gracefully as possible. And skincare is a huge piece of that. I spend a lot of time and money thinking about my skin, and I have added Ritual to my routine, which just gives me a lot of comfort. Ritual is here for us. They have created a wrinkle support skin supplement and conducted clinical studies, so we know it's working. They're taking the guesswork out of skincare. Ritual Hyacera is one of several Ritual products that I love. I take the daily multivitamin, I take a probiotic, And Hyacera is that once daily skincare supplement that is clinically proven to reduce wrinkles and fine lines and increase skin smoothness in 90 days. I recently met a friend for the first time in person as opposed to online. And we were discussing the fact that I am 43 and she said, I cannot believe how young you look. And I thought, thank you, Ritual, for that. Start Hyacera to help minimize wrinkles without compromising on clean science. Hyacera from Ritual is a clinically proven skin supplement you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash pantsuit. Start Ritual or add Hyacera to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash pantsuit for 25% off. Do you want a bra that's sexy or a bra that's comfortable? Thanks to 3rd Love, you can have both. 3rd Love was started to take all the frustration, ick, and ugh out of bra shopping. That's why they make solutions for every bra problem, aka problems. Their bras make it easy to bring back perkiness you haven't seen since high school, get smoothing you know where, and have straps that actually stay put. Designed at their headquarters in San Francisco and made from premium materials, they put every style through hours of wear testing on real women, including themselves, before it's given the stamp of boob approval. Comfort and support are guaranteed. Plus, whether you're a double A cup or an H cup, their virtual fitting room will help you find your perfect fit fast. And they've even invented half cups. No more feeling stuck between two cup sizes that don't fit right. It's time to get your problems solved. Visit thirdlove.com and get 15% off your order with code PODCAST15. There's not much worse than a dry energy scalp. Also, when you get your hair colored and then it does not last as long as you and your stylist discussed, it could be that unfiltered, mineral-filled water is the culprit. Hard water is a leading cause of damaged hair and dry, irritated skin, and about 85% of the United States uses hard water, filled with dissolved minerals and added chlorine. That's where Canopy's new filtered shower head comes in. Canopy, known for their beauty hacks and reimagined humidifier, has revolutionized the filtered shower head. Dermatologists recommended this unique three-stage filtration system greatly reduces contaminants and odors in your shower water, leaving you with healthy hair and glowing skin. Best of all, the Canopy filtered shower head is hassle-free. Installation is a breeze, and its unique quick-release filter replacement feature allows for seamless filter replacement unlike any others on the market. Go to getcanopy.co to save $25 on your Canopy filtered showerhead purchase today with Canopy's hassle-free filter subscription. Even better, our listeners can use code PANTSUIT at checkout to save an additional 10% off your Canopy purchase. Hurry, your hair and skin will thank you. 
we always end with what's on our minds outside of politics. We're just going to go like one degree outside of politics, though, because California has a new law that I thought would be a perfect discussion outside of politics. Beginning this January in California, first through sixth graders in public school must be taught cursive writing. This joins California with 22 states that require public schools to teach cursive. And I think this is fascinating because I feel like I hear a lot of really big feelings about cursive. When are the kids going to learn cursive? Why haven't they learned cursive yet? Are they spending enough time on cursive? My kids were both like, I can't wait till we learn cursive. And then Jane feels like she kind of got shortchanged on it. So I'm interested in your thoughts about cursive, Sarah. I love this quote you put in the show notes from Miss Brooks, a fourth grade teacher in California. She told NPR, it is an art and it allows students to take ownership of their handwriting and it gives a unique imprint of who they are. I do not say that the public school system has failed my children very often. I don't feel that very often, but I do feel like it when it comes to handwriting. My freshman in high school's handwriting looks like he is in preschool. I'm not kidding. It's horrendous. It's not even because it's a lack of cursive. It's because it's it's even his print is terrible and he does not care and I cannot make him care. And it's similar for my 12-year-old and my 8-year-old. Like to me what's the problem is like they teach them cursive but because they never learned handwriting, it's like it's skipping a very important step. I don't care if they require cursive. I think that's true what Miss Brooks says that your handwriting is like something you should take ownership in. And I don't feel like I ever learned it. To the, like, the extent, I mean, like, I look at my grandmother's handwriting, I'm like, that is so beautiful. And mine does not look like that. And my kids are even worse. And I think, I mean, it's not an accident, I think, because tech is coming up. And so often what we're communicating with is our fingers on a keyboard and not a pencil in our hand. But it makes me sad. Like, I believe in handwritten letters and notes. I send birthday cards. I think it's really important and lovely to receive something that someone has written out. But, like, you wouldn't be able to read it if my kids wrote it for you because their handwriting is so atrocious. If somebody has a hack for how to actually improve my kids' handwriting as a parent when I'm not with them at school all day, I would love to hear it. I am loath to place more requirements on the public schools. I understand that they're being asked to teach an awful lot of things in a very short amount of time and address a lot of needs in a short amount of time. So I have a suggestion because I also think cursive is important. And I am compelled by what Assemblywoman Sharon Quirk Silva said, the proponent of this bill in California. She's a former teacher. She said there's research showing that cursive handwriting helps with brain development. It improves your fine motor skills. All makes sense to me. I think putting all these interests together, it would be a lovely thing to start focusing on handwriting in art classes. Okay. Because I do think it's an art, and I think it's increasingly an art in our digital world. And I think art is a place where students are learning to express themselves anyway. I like that And you could do a lot around this where it's not just sitting with the, the lined paper and writing, but really making it fun and talking about it as an expression of who you are and putting it in the context of greater art pieces. Like, I just feel like the art teachers could really help us solve this problem. I love that idea. I do think it's a problem, and I would like more attention to it. And I feel stymied as a parent. I'm just going to be honest. Well, because as parents, we really don't have the skill set to teach our kids to write well. Like the way that we were taught to write, the sitting down with the paper, with the lines, our kids are not going to do that. There's an attention span component. I've got the books. It doesn't matter. They won't do it. There is a big component of why would this ever matter for me? I can swipe my finger and communicate. And fair. I get it. But if if we're teaching it for a different purpose now, then we should teach it in a different way now, I think, and really focus on that new purpose. But I think that purpose 
is worthy, you know, and I would love to see it prioritized. I think we should keep handwriting. What if our robot overlords take over and they can't read cursive? Like, maybe handwriting would be the only way we could actually communicate, you guys. Think about it. History has shown us passing notes (laughs) is sometimes very important. And also, I just think about the historians are like, we have to be able to read cursive because so many historical documents are in cursive. Not that I can, like— Read the Declaration of Independence. I'm not going to lie to you. I look at it and I'm like, I think I know what that says, but I'm not sure because it evolves even if you're doing it all the time. But still seems important. But there is like a personal long-term arc here too because when you lose someone you love, their handwriting mm. becomes such a sacred artifact. Yeah, people have tattoos of people's handwriting all over their bodies. That's yes. like a very common tattoo, I feel like. I cherish the little notes that Chad writes inside like Valentine's to me. The part that's in his handwriting is the part that I care about and that I know I always will. When I see my grandmother's handwriting, it's just, it is like a a window right back into her spirit. So I would like to save the cursive. I just would like us to kind of rethink how we're doing it. I love it. Well, I hope that this episode has been as much fun for all of you to listen to as it was for us to have. Agreed. We really appreciate your time and attention and all the ways that you contribute to our thinking. You're welcome always to join our conversations by emailing hello at pantsuitpoliticsshow.com. We'll be back here for a new episode on Tuesday. Until then, have the best weekend available to you. Maybe send somebody a handwritten card and make their day. Do it. Fancy Politics is produced by Studio D Podcast Production. Elise Knapp is our Managing Director. Maggie Pinton is our Director of Community Engagement. Xander Singh is the composer of our theme music with inspiration from original work by Dante Lima. Our show is listener-supported. Special thanks to our executive producers. Martha Brunitsky. Allie Edwards. Janice Elliott. Sarah Greenup. Julie Haller. Tiffany Hassler. Emily Holliday. Katie Johnson. Katina Zuganellis-Kasling. Barry Kaufman. Katherine Vollmer. Lori Ladau. Lily McClure. Linda Daniel. The Pettins! Tracy Putoff. Sarah Ralph. Jeremy Sequoia. Katie Steigers. Karen True. Annika Uveline. Nick and Elisa Valelli. Amy Whited. Emily Helen Olson. Lee Shea McDonough. Morgan McHugh. Jen Ross. Sabrina Drago. Becca Dorval. Christina Quartararo. Shannon Frawley. Jessica Whitehead. Samantha Chalmers. The family! The Adair family. Jeff Davis, Melinda Johnston, Michelle Wood, Nicole Berkless, Paula Bremer, and Tim Miller. So, let's start with Florida. Obviously, always. Bless it. I gotta find it, actually. Hold on. Oh, here we go. No, wait, that's not Florida. It's Al- It's Arkansas. JK, let's start over. I don't know why I put Florida. Well, we know why I put Florida. I assumed it would be Florida.